Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Well, I hope your Thursday is off to a good start. Hi, I'm Josh Raymond, and thanks for joining us here on The Inner Life, our program about spiritual direction on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. And how do you get along with your in-laws, especially as we look ahead towards Christmas? Are you going to have some of them visiting? Do you have a good relationship with them, or do they test your patience? Or is everyone great except for maybe that one person, that one brother, that one sister, that one parent that you're related to by marriage? And they might not even realize it, but they know how to make your life miserable some way. Now, I I really actually appreciate my wife, Belen, her parents. I get along with both of them. I think that Belen's father, Mark, he was a bit skeptical about me at the beginning, and rightly so, and I completely understand as a father myself now, uh, you know, father of many daughters. He has come around. He no longer eyes me with suspicion, at least not, you know, that I am aware of, but I think it helped once Mark saw that I was committed to taking care of his daughter and his grandchildren, and when he saw this happening over the course of the first few years that we were married— I think he got to a point where he no longer simply tolerated me, but actually seemed to like me uh, being the husband of his daughter. Now, Belen's mother, Carla, was a very different, uh, very kind to me right from the beginning. Mark wasn't unkind. He just kind of indifferent right at the beginning, not knowing if Belen and I would continue seeing each other, not knowing if that relationship would develop into anything more than dating. But Carla, she was welcoming to me right at the beginning of my time dating her daughter for those few years before we ended up finally. I remember this one moment, Carla, she came up to me and she congratulated me and she said, Josh, I'm going to tell you the exact same thing that my mother-in-law told me when I married Mark. And so I was there listening and I thought it was going to be some sort of um, this older married person, some bit of advice for us as a newly married couple, as we're just starting out. But instead of any, any sort of insight or guidance or anything, now you're family, so we have to love you. And then she gave me a hug. And in that moment, I was completely caught off guard. First of all, Carla isn't one that shows a lot of emotion. She definitely is not someone who gives out a lot of hugs. So I recognized the hug as this significant gesture welcoming me into her family. And then the line, now we have to love you, well, it made me laugh as she was giving me that hug. And by marrying Belen, not only did I enter into a new family, I also received a few new titles that were representative of my new role or roles in this family. I was now a husband to my wife. I was also a son-in-law to my wife's parents, and I was a brother-in-law to my wife's siblings. 
new family and new roles. But you know, marriage, it isn't the only sacrament that brings on new family and new roles for us. In fact, the very first sacrament that we all experience, baptism, that brings us into a new family, the body of Christ, and it gives us new roles. The Catechism of the Catholic Church says that by our baptism, we share in and we participate in three offices of Christ, the offices of priest, prophet, and king. And the Catechism goes on to clarify that participating, by participating in these three roles, you and I, we bear the responsibilities for mission and service that flow from them. Did you know that you had that responsibility simply because you're baptized? Well, today here on The Inner Life, we want to look at the sacrament of baptism and how we are called to participate in those roles of priest, prophet, and king. And joining us as our spiritual director for the hour today, Father Sean Grismer is back with us once again. He is a priest in the Diocese of Rockford, Illinois, and he's the associate pastor of St. Bridget Catholic Church in Loves Park, Illinois. Hi, Father Sean. So glad to have you back here on the program today with us. Thanks, Josh. It's great to be with you again. Well, and so today, baptism, as we start talking about this, uh, I, I always like to make sure that we you know, have terms defined as we start talking about any topic here on the inner life. And so just to make sure we're all on the same page, if someone's listening and doesn't understand, doesn't know what a sacrament is, could, could we start there, have you explain what we mean when we use that word sacrament? Yeah, absolutely. It's a great place to start. Sacrament is um, the inward expression of an outward, or outward expression of an inward reality is what the church defines it as. I think um, sometimes we can't grasp that. And so um, I, I like to describe it in this way. If God created us as human beings, we're both body and soul. Yeah, body, soul, and spirit. So um, we relate to each other through physicality. When I, when I speak a word, it through comes from my physical mouth, from the vocal cords, which are physical inside of me. When I show love to somebody, I give them a hug, right? Like your mother-in-law. I, I, I give somebody a hug or I receive a hug. I can give a kiss. I could give a handshake. I express love through physicality. Well, if God created us that way, then he knows that we need to receive his love that way through physical expressions. And um, he gave us his son, of course, of course, Jesus Christ. But Jesus then continues that and gives us the sacraments, which are physical, tangible expressions of God's love. So um, the outward sign of the inward reality of grace or love um, and so every one of the seven sacraments has a physical pro- uh, uh, proponent to it and a spiritual proponent to it. And the two of them together um, create the sacrament, the love of God in a physical way on our earth. Okay. So if we've got that physical and that spiritual, the, the two components, the two parts there of each sacrament, what are they in baptism then? So the the physical would be the water, right? And, and the physical is always representative that in and of itself it represents right so the water wasn't normally do washes us but it's not just water that uh, i could pour some water on a kid's head and bam they're baptized right um it's uh, like every squirt gun fight we'd have thousands of people getting baptized Um, but it's that i i am choosing to speak the words i baptize you in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit and so those words, which are scriptural, but also commanded by Christ, go and baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, by speaking those words and the pouring on of water, the, the two together create a sacrament. 
which that happens to be baptism. Now, there are other things if, if you have an infant baptized in the Catholic Church, or if you go to the Easter Vigil Mass, you'll see a couple of other things that are used besides water. You'll see oil that's used, and you'll also see a candle, um, a flame that is lit on a candle. So there are some other parts of that. Uh, those are then not truly—they're they're, they're not the key physical aspect of Correct. Yeah, the sacrament. we would say we'd say they're not they're not essential to the sacrament, right? So what's what's essential is that you have the water and the words. The other parts are necessary. We might say necessary and beautiful and good, and they 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 affect a change. They do something. Um, but in the in the barest of circumstances, if you don't have oil, if you don't have a candle, um, and you have somebody who's maybe lying on their deathbed, or maybe they're um, the, you're at a place and they're like, we we want I want to be baptized. All you have to have is water and and the words. And so in seminary, we we get into the the questions of like, well, can you use can you use Coca Cola, right? Like, what's the first ingredient? Water, which means there's a great proportion of water in there, right? But it has to be, uh, I think it's like 51 percent. I could be wrong in that, but it has to be majority water uh, in order to be used. All right. So a swimming pool or a river or a lake or something like that would qualify. All those things. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> well, and. <laughs> Um, one of the other things that is you're talking about this, that baptism, because it is one of the sacraments that is so necessary, it's, it's the gateway into the Church, um, and we can talk about that maybe in a minute, but it's also uh, one of the sacraments that is—you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I believe it's allowed to be um, ministered, administered by any other Christian— um, as long as the Trinitarian formula, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, those words and the water are used, then any any Christian can baptize another person. Is that correct? <laughs> yes. Uh, parentheses in in cases of emergency. Right. Yes, and I, I, I'm glad. You, I don't I don't want to just encourage people to go out and start. You know, there's a, there's uh, a lot of grandparents who are listening to you, Josh, and they're like, "Oh, I'm going to go and baptize uh, no, my no, no, no. Yes, yes, in, in dire or emergency circumstances, of so, course. So I want to I want to clarify: even any person, and even a non-Christian, can baptize. Um, and so it's the, it's 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 the case that so long as they intend what the church intends. So let's let's hypothetically say I'm I'm not Christian and I'm going for but I've heard of Christ and I have some Catholic friends and uh, I'm going on a hike and I'm walking along the edge and I trip and I fall and um and and I fall down whatever I'm I'm, I'm nearing my death and, and my friend who's with me is is not Catholic or not even Christian but I say hey I really want to be baptized before I die. And they say well how does that how does that work? The person can say just pour water over my head and say, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So we can't baptize ourselves, but anybody else can can do baptism in cases of emergency. And um, and that, that, that goes for the Christian, it goes for the non-Christian. But it's really like this incredible, you said gateway, and I think that's appropriate, entrance into the life of heaven that God gives to us here on earth. And the Church, and by extension Christ himself, wants that access to heaven, wants that access right. to the church to be so easy for anybody. You know, he, he's willing to basically say, yes, if you've been baptized even by somebody who is not a member of the church, we'll still let you in, is, is essentially what it sounds like. That's correct. Yeah. And there's, you know, there's different, um, 
we have three different types of baptism in the church as well. There's baptism by water, which is the most traditional. Then there's baptism by blood, which means I wasn't baptized, um, but I'm. But there's martyrdom, and I realize um, I, I love Christ, and I want to give my life for for that. I haven't checked the veracity of this, but if you remember several years back when um, ISIS had done the the horrible filming of the 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 martyrdom of those Christians on the beach. Mm-hmm. Um, I was I was told or read a story that one of those wasn't a Christian, but he cried out Jesus, 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 because he saw the faith of the others. And and again, oh. I I speak that out. I I don't know the total veracity of that, but I um, but I believe it. And and that would be a that would be what we call a baptism by blood. That he wasn't baptized by water, but his desire to receive and it was it was given by blood. And the last is the baptism by desire. So if I've never heard of or if I if I've heard of Christ haven't come to believe in Christ yet, um, but I'm coming near the death and I or have a desire and nobody's there to baptize me. Um, there's a desire there for me to receive baptism um, or somebody's going through RCIA. <clears throat> I have a friend in Vermont and he had somebody in RCIA last year and um, she started to, to come to his classes and she didn't show up one week and it was because she was in a car accident and passed away. And um, I think she was already baptized by um, in a Christian denomination, but but again, there's a baptism by desire. This bringing forth into the family of Christ um, through the desire within us. Hmm. And we're talking with Father Sean Grismer today about baptism, what that means for us, and specifically what it calls us to do in our lives. And uh, our studio line, if you'd like to be a part of the conversation, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149, or you can email us at innerlife at relevantradio.com. And how have you been able to live out your baptism? How have you been able to show outwardly that you are a member of the body of Christ? And maybe it's you'd like to share how you have explained the baptism of your child as they've grown older how you've helped them to understand what their baptism means. Or maybe you have a question about baptism, and Father Sean is here for your phone calls, 888-914-9149. Father, we talked about that gateway. Uh, It's what the Church calls a sacrament of initiation. In fact, even the Eucharist falls into this category of being a sacrament of initiation, as does the sacrament of confirmation. Now, I think it's very natural with baptism— to understand, okay, this is that entry into the church. We're being brought into the family of God. Um, but, you know, it would appear on the surface that if if you're already a part of the family of God, part of the church through baptism, um, these other sacraments, Confirmation, Eucharist, why are they also in this same category with baptism? Well, that's a great question. I mean, so the church brings baptism, confirmation, and communion in the sacraments of initiation. Because when we're brought into a family, there are multiple things that happen. Yeah, There's the first is that I'm, I'm born into a family. That's, we would call that baptism. Um, so I take on the name of Christian. I take on the identity, priest, prophet, king. I take on the identity of Christ. Everything that he is, I become. The second thing is that I need to be nourished in the family. Yeah, and so it's part of the initiating process that as soon as I'm I'm born, within the within the early hours of my little physical birth, I need to be fed. I need to be nursed, and I need to continue to grow in strength. And so that that sustenance of the Holy Eucharist, it it doesn't. I mean, it can nourish me physically, but it nourishes me 
it nourishes that baptism seed that was planted within me. And then confirmation, so baptism, confirmation, and Holy Eucharist, whether we receive them at a, as, as infants, whether we receive them as in our middle, middle years, middle school years, or high school years, or whether we receive it as an adult, confirmation is the, is the sending forth, the opening up of, of the Holy Spirit in our life in granting this pathway, I would say, within us of, of the, the permission of the Spirit to move in us into the world. So as you, in a natural way, we'd say when you turn 18, you're, you're sent out, right? Most people get out of their house, um, except Italians. Italians stay there till they're 40. But, but that's, as, as most Americans will say that we, are, we stay in our house till about 18, and then we move out. Um, and then as I move out, uh, I bring the name of my name, Grismer, I bring that out into the world. And I bring out everything that I, I've had for the last 18 years of my life into the world. Now, there's still time to be formed and stuff like that. But the, the confirmation is being sent forth with the identity of Christian. Well, that identity has to be nourished by the Holy Eucharist. So it's this, this initiation of bringing us in and sending us out. Wonderful. Well, so let's go back to baptism then. That's our topic for yep. the day. When we are baptized, and for a lot of us that are listening right now, this is going to be possibly as infants, an event we don't remember. Um, I, not growing up in the, in the Catholic Church, I was actually baptized um, in a Baptist church, and I would have been seven years old at the time. So I do remember my baptism, but for a lot of people, they might not remember it. So what, what actually takes place there at baptism for most of us being baptized by a priest or a, a deacon or, or maybe even possibly a bishop, but at least one of the ministers there, um, one of the cl- clergy in our parishes, what's taking place in that moment of baptism? Well, the first thing, Josh, is that we're, our sins, our original sin is wiped away. And if, I, if I'm older and let's say I'm 15 or 20 or 30 or 50 or 70 and I get baptized, all my sins are washed away. They're washed away by the blood of Christ and the waters of baptism. So my sin is, I'm scot-free as they say, but I'm, I'm, my sin is washed up. The second thing is I am made an adopted son or daughter of God, which means I become an heir to the kingdom. So everything that belongs in heaven belongs to me. It just, it just, just like that. It's baffling. I talk about this at baptisms. Like if you had a precious thing that you loved and it was fragile, um, what would you, would you let your children play with it? Answer is probably not. So why would God be so bold to let the greatest gift, which is heaven be given to our, to, to infants, literally children who can't take care of themselves. It's because he's confident in himself. It has nothing to do with what you do or earn or merit. It has everything to do in the confidence God has in himself. And so he gives the gift freely, knowing that he has the ability to sustain it and bring it to completion. That's a prayer that we pray. And the good work that's begun in you be brought to completion, because God knows he can do that. The third thing, so first is wiped away of sin. Second is that brought into the family of God. Everything that belongs in heaven, everything that belongs to God the Father, belongs to me. I am an heir to the kingdom. Um, and kings and queens, they don't hold back from their from the princes and princesses. And they're like, I want to ride a horse. They're like, that's yours. You go ride it. The third thing is that they receive the indwelling of the Holy Trinity, the indwelling of the Holy Trinity, which is another way of saying God enters into my soul and changes it. So I'm no longer a creature. I'm no longer just a part of God's creation. 
I have become not only his son or daughter, but he has chosen to reside in me. Think about when we, when we think about the nativity at Bethlehem, we, we get baffled. Like in the silence of the night, God comes in the form of Jesus in this little town of Bethlehem in a stable surrounded by cows and laid in a feeding trough. And, and that's the, that can allow us to be in awe and, and majesty. And at the same time, we can say, God has chosen to dwell inside of me. What an incredible gift. What an incredible gift. He chooses to dwell inside of his creation and to save it, redeem it, sanctify it. So those are the, we might say, the three things that happen. And in that, we are made priests, prophets, and kings. And uh, so we can talk more about that. But that's, that's the identity that we right. take on. Well, very good. And again, our, our spiritual director today, Father Sean Grismer, a priest in the Diocese of Rockford, Illinois, and talking about baptism. And uh, just like Father said, we will talk about those roles, those uh, offices of Jesus that we then participate in, priest, prophet, and king coming up next. And maybe uh, you have a question about baptism, and you're curious about something regarding the sacrament, or uh, how have you been able to live out your baptism? showing those three things that Father just described there, um, that that really, that transformation has taken place in your life. Our studio line is 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149, and we'll be back with more right after this here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Today we'd like to thank Paul, who's listening in New Jersey, for donating his Nissan. Join thousands of other listeners in donating old vehicles by visiting relevantradio.com slash car today. Welcome back to The Inner Life, as today we're talking about the sacrament of baptism, not only what the sacrament is, but what it calls on us to do as followers of Christ, as part of the family of Christ. And our spiritual director for the hour, Father Sean Grismer, a priest in the Diocese of Rockford, Illinois, associate pastor of St. Bridget Catholic Church in Loves Park, Illinois, and welcoming your phone calls into the conversation today at 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. And Father, uh, before we go to the phones, one of the things that uh, kind of hit me this morning, I was praying through the rosary. It's Thursday, where we traditionally pray through the luminous mysteries, and that first mystery is the baptism of Jesus. And so right away, I start thinking, knowing that we're going to talk today about the sacrament of baptism, start thinking about the differences there. The, the setting there is the Jordan River, where John the Baptist, he's been calling people to repentance, he's been baptizing them. Uh, can you help unpack this for us? We have John baptizing people before Jesus institutes baptism as a sacrament. So what was happening with these people being baptized prior to Jesus's baptism, prior to the birth of the church that happens three years later on the Feast of Pentecost? What What is this baptism that we see John performing here? So it's uh, a great question. The, the <clears throat> In Scripture, it talks about I think Jesus himself says, John baptized um, with repentance, um, but I will baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Um, and so John's baptism was a, a symbolic, we might say, a symbolic of, of the coming, of the preparation of the coming Messiah. But it didn't change anything. It didn't, wasn't adoption into a family. 
It was one confessing their sins and the, the water washing over symbolically. Now I could, I'm sure if I did more research, I would be able to, to find uh, what was the, what was the Jewish understanding of baptism and all of those things. Um, but, but on, on the surface level, we might say it was symbolic of the repentance of sins, one wanting to turn their, their life away. What does repentance mean? It means to turn, right? To turn around, to turn to the other way. Um, <clears throat> and we know we all have moments, right? New Year's, New Year's day. We're always like, this is a new year. It's, it's symbolic for us. That's why we stay up till midnight. Uh, because a new year means a new start. And so I turn a different way. Well, the water for John was similar in that the repentance was that I repent of my sin and I turn a different way. Um, but Jesus obviously didn't need that. So the question might be, why did Jesus need to to get baptized? That was baptized? my very next question. Yes. Okay. So let's <laughs> yeah. let's look at Jesus. He doesn't need, he doesn't need that stain of original sin washed away. He doesn't need to be brought into the family of God. He's he is God and part of that triune uh, uh, being the family there. So yeah, what purpose did that serve then with Jesus being baptized? So remember that everything that Jesus did sanctified something in this world. Every breath he breathed, every beat of his heart, the blood that he was poured out at his, at his circumcision, at his passion, all of that sanctifies this world. So when he, because he's God, God and man, so when he goes into the waters of baptism and allows himself to be washed, not only is it like, hey, this is something I would like my followers to do, but it is sanctifying that water so that in baptism, baptism is no longer just about repentance. It is about something radically different. So when God does something, he, he shifts it. He changes it. Um, he doesn't change, but he, he moves it in a direction, gearing it towards heaven. So when he does that with baptism, he allows the water to be baptized, the water be poured over him or he dunked into the river. And he now has sanctified the waters of baptism so that when we say the words, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, what happens is baptism as we know it, the freedom, the, the adoption, the, the entrance into the family. So all of that happens because Christ chose to go into the waters of baptism. Wonderful. Thank you for that explanation, Father. And uh, we do want to talk about those roles of priest, prophet, and king, but we do have some uh, callers waiting on the line to talk with you. So let's go sure. to Kurt right now. Kurt is listening in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. Hi, Kurt. Thanks for calling into the Inner Life today. Thank you. And I, I just turned on the radio and I heard Father Sean Grismer, I believe. Uh, and it was ironic because I was listening on another station about, you know, and nothing against the charismatic renewal, but everything is about, you know, healing of the physical body. This person was healed. That person was healed. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because if you look at technology today, you know, they have things where you could say, well, science can do that. So why should I go to God? And then I got to thinking about my own life. I said, the greatest miracle that I could see was for 33 years of my life, I didn't, I didn't believe in any God, even though I was Episcopalian, and I had a valid baptism. And the greatest miracle in my life is that I came into the Catholic Church, and everything makes sense. And then I just started to realize, I said, you know, when you promote the faith, people look at you like, 
Uh, look, I remember when you were X, Y, and Z. And it's ironic because our Lord didn't do many miracles in the town he was brought up in because they saw his physical presence. But those that didn't know him and knew him by what he was saying and the authority that what he said were transformed. And, I, and I'd like to say it under that light because if you look at this physical world, I mean, God's greatest creation is us taking taking physical matter and infusing a spirit with a soul into that matter with a free intellect and to be able to choose. And when I chose to come into the Catholic Church, now my baptism that was valid came into effect. And then I realized what the true sacrifice of the Mass is. And I, I tell everybody that, look, the visible institution on the face of this planet is designed to save your immortal soul and to enlighten your intellect, to understand that at the end of your life, time ends and you go into eternity. So, so therefore, it is endless day. So we look at things in a time-space continuum, and we need to understand that to inherit the kingdom of God. I mean, even our Lord said it, my kingdom is not of this world. So what we have to understand is when we die, we are trying to enter a kingdom that is so far above this world that it created this world to see if we want to be with it. And I believe the Catholic Church is that. It's it's the kingdom that's not of this world, but has been placed physically in this world to to bring to the reality that we are a body-soul composite with a spirit. And through our own free will, we will understand that. So we need those sacraments, just like Father said. And I well, saw Kurt, something that was I, I wanna, I want to thank you so much for calling in here, too. And I want to allow Father to respond to what you're saying here. And, you know, there's a couple of things. One, you can hear the passion in Kurt's voice, Father. Uh, yeah. You know, one thing that kind of stands out to me he talked about, I was baptized validly. There wasn't, a, there wasn't any sort of uh, worry about the baptism itself, but for 33 years he lived a life where he really didn't believe in God. I think that is probably a very, very common experience with a lot of people who have grown up uh, in churches or other ecclesial communities where they baptize as infants and then... You have to kind of find your own way. Do I really believe the faith that my my parents initiated me into, and is this something I believe in? What does that mean for a person when they do walk away? They still have that that uh, you know indelible mark on their soul of baptism, but they they yeah. walk away from it. I'm sure you hear from people all the time who you know, talk about, oh, yeah, we had our kids baptized, but now they're not in the church. It's such yeah. a difficult situation. It is a very difficult situation. And one I think that we face a lot in Catholicism or within our, it's in Christianity nowadays. I mean, just with, with modern technology and stuff like that anyways. But but we do find ourselves in that position. And I was grateful for Kurt, Kurt's uh, words and his, and his passion. Um, but that testimony, that testimony of 33 years of being away, and realizing that it was still a valid baptism, that his baptism never went away. I had a friend right after I joined seminary say, hey, can I like, from my high school, they were like, can I like 
um, get rid of my baptism? <laughs> like, no, like we can't get rid of it. It's, it's a change within our soul, a, a permanent change. Um, now some people say, well, I don't, I don't, I didn't want it and I didn't ask for it. No, we don't, but, but you don't also ask for what family you're brought into, but what, what is given, what's given when you're, when you're adopted, what's given to you. And that, that's the question that we might look and, and ask whether we see as early in our earlier years, do we see what's really given to us? I can be taught all the rituals. I can be taught all the rules and regulations and all the things I got to do, but do I see what's given to me? Do I see it's heaven? I loved, I loved when Kurt was talking about heaven, having the visible face here on earth as the church. Yeah, Christ intended that because we are physical beings and we need some sort of a structure. Uh, even people that say, I'm not part of a church, but I go to this church and they started from this church. Like you, because we're human, it, it's just part of our natural, natural, uh, the natural phenomenon of us being human. Um, but it, but it is, it's, it's seen christ here on earth in the church um, and we won't always do it perfectly but it but it is it is heaven being lived here kurt thanks so much for calling in today and joining the program and if you'd like to call in our studio line is 888-914-9149 as we're talking about baptism the sacrament of baptism today with father sean grismer and father bobby is calling in from carlsbad california hi bobby thanks for calling in you're on the air with father sean yes Good morning. Thank you for your show and your your influence, Father. So, uh, one of my children, my adult daughter, has has three children around, and they've chose she has uh, from her marriage to to go to a Protestant sect, and um, two of the three are not baptized yet, ages uh, uh, ten and six. So, is there a, a loving way that I can? Uh, <laughs> suggest influence or otherwise, you know, as a father and a grandfather to, to help them get baptized because their rule is well, that the, the child decides when and if they get baptized in their, their faith now. Yeah. Yeah. Bobby, that's a great question. And you're not alone. I know many people who face that same question. Um, and it's, it's heartbreaking for, for grandparents. And as parents, it's heartbreaking that you see your children who aren't following perhaps in the same footsteps that you did. Um, I mean, we wanna, we, I wanna, I wanna um, start on the edge of caution of, of not manipulating or forcing, um, cause that can just further um, people's anger of resentment towards the church and towards Christ and towards our Lord. But, but really an atmosphere of love, right? Choosing to love them in the midst of, of where they're at. It, and it sounds maybe vague, but but I have to choose to love my children and the choices. They're not, remember that your grandchildren are not your children. And, and I think for a lot of people, they're like, well, but I would have done it this way if they were my children. But they're not. They're not your children. They're your, they're your children's children. And your children are grown adults and they can make decisions. Now, are they great decisions, best decisions? Maybe, maybe not. Um, but we also believe that God loves your grandchildren more than you. He also wants them saved more than you. So we rely upon the Lord to bring forth the thing that we desire too. Now, we can ask, hey, I was wondering if, you know, you might consider having your children baptized. And they say, well, we've had this conversation. We don't want to do it. Um, and we can even say, like, would you, would you be okay with us baptizing them in the Catholic Church? Um, but remember, if that happens, they are now Catholics. And they are then required to go to church on Sundays, the Catholic Church. So we, 
in some ways, it's a weird and awkward thing to say, but it's sometimes better, we might say, to let them go on the path that that God is leading them on and because God's leading every person here and, and let them, we don't want to force them to be Catholic because then we can't fulfill the obligation is what I'm trying to say. We can't fulfill the obligation for them. Now, some people's children may say, yeah, you can, you can bring them to church on Sundays and you can do all the things, um, but I'm not going to have a part of that. Great. But for most, it's going to say, well, no, we're going to wait till do it for our, in our own church. And we have to respect that. But I would continue just to pray, Bobby. Pray, offer them up to our Blessed Mother, offer them up to Jesus Christ. He loves them way more than you ever could ever hope to love them. And therefore, it's, he's the Savior. He's the one that's going to bring them about. Bobby, thanks for calling in. And, uh, you know, Father, as I'm listening to the question he raises, that was the kind of church I was brought up in, is where, you know, it's uh, after the age of reason, um, the belief, you know, in a lot of uh, evangelical churches is that the child needs to make that decision for themselves. Um, one of the things that really helped me look at this and say, well, you know, that that's fine. I mean, that's good that the child makes the decision on their own as well. But there are so many other areas in our life where we don't just allow our kids to make decisions for themselves. Mm-hmm. We make those decisions for them as parents as they're growing. You know, I would not leave it up to my child to decide what, uh, you know, at, at three or four years old, well, what do you want for dinner? Because it would probably just be Oreos and ice cream most nights. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they'd be missing out. You know, they'd, they'd come down with scurvy or something because they're not getting vitamin C and other vegetables and minerals and, uh, you know, nutrients that they need in their diet there. Um, but... The other thing that really helped me with that, too, is looking at baptism is really a continuation and fulfillment of what began as circumcision in the, uh, the, the Hebrew nation, the Israelites, as they were uh, then becoming this covenant people with God, and understanding that that covenant has been fulfilled when we are baptized, we, are, we enter into that, and Anybody who looks back at circumcision, that was something that was done for infants as they were brought into the family of their faith as, as Jews. And so we also then, if you want to look historically at what Scripture tells us, and I'm guessing as Bobby is talking about you know, his, his uh, kids and grandkids here, they're probably in a church that looks very much at Scripture and says, well, we want to do what the Bible tells us. Well, the Bible does tell us that baptism is the thing that fulfills circumcision, and circumcision itself was done with infants. So that might be another uh, uh, area where you could just, in love, (laughs) and when the opportunity is right, Bobby, have that conversation. Um, But, you know, try not to force it, because I I agree so much with Father uh, Sean as he's talking here. You know, if you try and force some of those conversations, if you try and uh, manipulate things, it'll just probably go worse than what you, you know, what you're hoping for. But uh, Father Sean, we we need to take a quick break here, and I know we want to talk about priest, prophet, and king, so that's coming up next here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app, and uh, you can give us a call and join the program at 888-914-9149. More to come right after this. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio Studio Line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit RelevantRadio.com Forrester. 
Welcome back to The Inner Life. I'm Josh Raymond, our spiritual director, Father Sean Grismer, today talking about the sacrament of baptism. And if you missed any portion of the program from earlier in the hour, you can always go back and listen to the podcast. It'll be posted a little later today on RelevantRadio.com or on the Relevant Radio app. Also want to say a big thank you to Nick Sentovich and Patrick Alog, who are helping produce the show today. And of course, thank you for listening and joining us in our studio line that you can call in and be a part of the program is 888-914-9149. And Father, one of the things we wanted to talk about today are three roles that we all participate in by virtue of our baptism. Uh, These are priest, prophet, and king. Now, the first one, priest, we have clergy in the church. We have deacons and priests and bishops, but by baptism, every Christian shares in the priesthood of Christ. So what does that mean? When we talk about the priesthood of Christ, what does this mean for the average layperson? Yeah. So what is a priest is the maybe the <clears throat> question that we ask, even the Old Testament priest. This is one who intercedes on behalf of others. When I intercede, I, be inter- I, I stand in place of another person. Right? So when the priest is at Mass, what is he doing? He's offering the prayers of the people. Oh, Lord, we offer you these prayers that we make and humble petition. We offer you these prayers. What prayers? Well, the prayers that the priest is praying? Yeah, but all the prayers that the people are praying. Um, so, so, so we're offering them all up to the Lord, but I stand in place of the people, not because, because there's something incredible or amazing about me, but because I felt called by the Lord on behalf of the community to stand there and chosen by the community. Right? So it's chosen by Christ, but remember what happens at ordination. They say, does the community or does the Christian, uh, I don't know the exact words, but does the Christian community and you find them worthy? And then when the director says, yes, you're presented on behalf of the community. So a priest, Old Testament, New Testament, ministerial, or um, in our baptism, we stand on behalf of others and we offer prayers to the Father on their behalf. So think about when we receive a prayer petition from somebody. This is going to make a lot of people uncomfortable, but but I, what, what do we often do? Somebody says, oh, could you pray for my grandmother um, because she's sick, or my, my friend, he's sick in the hospital. And we say, yes, I'll pray for them. Great, thanks. And then we walk away. What the challenge is, and this is what I want to challenge the list those who are listening, to say a prayer right then and there. And and this makes us uncomfortable because it means I have to be spontaneous, but I don't have to be spontaneous. All I'm going to do is take the words that they spoke to me and offer them to God. Because this goes two things. First off, it brings healing to the list, to the person who's, who's asked for prayers because they feel heard on a very human level. It's like, wow, somebody listened to me. Second thing is you've now said, I'm, I'm going to turn that and offer it to God. So for example, somebody comes and says, can you pray for my, my friend Josh, he's, he's sick in the hospital. And I say, absolutely. Can we say a prayer right now? Absolutely. So we pray and we say, God, I just thank you for Josh. And I thank you for his friend. And I ask that you would bring healing to Josh, wherever he is, whatever hospital he is, bring him healing and peace. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. That's it. I've just acted in my priesthood. Isn't that great? I just took the prayer petition. I've held it. I've held it in my heart and my mind, and I've given it to God. I didn't say any other words other than what they, they told me about. So that's, that's our priesthood, to stand in place. The same thing with the rosary, Divine Mercy Chaplet. I'm standing in place of another and praying on their behalf. 
It's that's, it's that's tremendous. beautiful. Yeah, that's, that's beautiful, amazing. Father. Uh, okay, we're getting a little short on time here in the hour, so yeah. let's talk about that role of prophet. How yes. are we called to participate as a prophet? Uh, contrary to what most people think, it's, well, I have to do the reading at Mass. That's not what it means to be prophet. A prophet is one who holds the truth of God, the Word of God, and speaks it. Right, so it, it's just going to the Lord. So if a priest is me going to the Lord with the prayers of the petitions, the prophet is one who comes from God and speaks truth to others, speaks love to others, speaks his goodness to others. The human level of this would be affirmation. When I affirm somebody and I see somebody does a good job, when I coach basketball, I look at the kids and I say, great job. That's affirmation. A prophet is somebody who says, I'm not affirming you from my behalf. I'm affirming you on the Lord's behalf. You, you are... Um, you are a light in the darkness. That's prophecy. That's a word of, of truth spoken by God to that person because of the Christian dignity that they have. Um, and so, so prophecy is speaking God's word and God's truth to this world, whether it's to a single person or to a large group. So in the simplest form, we might say. One of the things that strikes me too is a lot of times I think it's easy to find ourselves saying, oh yeah, I'll tell somebody the truth. You just let me out. <laughs> we really need to do this in love. It, and, and when I spend time with the Lord, who is love, I learn language of love. When I read scripture, I learn language of love. So I have to, I don't, I don't just speak truth, but I speak truth from love, who is Christ. Right. So I learn from him, and then I can speak it out. You're right. You're right. Thanks for that clarification. Uh -huh. yeah. Okay, so let's talk then about participating in that kingship of Jesus. Yes. So everything that belongs to Christ belongs to me. The kingship role, God gave, you even think about what he says to Adam, till the soil. That's a kingly role, is to, to have something underneath me, and I bring it up. I raise it up. Well, I love to look at the Chronicles of Narnia, and if, if, for those who haven't read them, I'm just not, not talking about the movies, but read them or listen to the audiobooks of all seven books because it speaks about this kingship that belongs to us, this inherent dignity that belongs to you and me as Christians. And what does it allow me for? It allows me not to just ask God for things. Lord, I, I need this thing. It, it allows me to proclaim the kingship of Christ. It allows me to say, Lord, you stilled the storm of the sea so now still the storm of my life, calm the storm, because in my kingship, if it belongs to Christ, it belongs to me. And as Adam had things underneath him, as he was the ruler of, so our very faith, our, our children, our families, those are quote unquote under me, but, I, but I, I rule them as Christ rules with love and kindness. So again, sim and we're, we're talking about in the simplest form, this is what it is. But that's, that's how it might look like in our prayer. All right. So we are part of that kingship. We pray for others in that priestly role. And then we speak the truth and love in that role as a prophet. And those are the ways that we participate just by being baptized. That's, those are the things that we're called to do then. Uh, if somebody wants to learn more, wants to dive into this a little deeper, because we did just do kind of such a surface uh, look at this— any resources you might recommend to dive into priest, prophet, and king a little bit more for um, us? That's a great question. I would, at, at the moment, I don't, nothing comes to mind. Like you have the, some of the articles from the Second Vatican Council, um, whether it be Lumen Gentium or um, one of the others that would speak about priest, prophet, king, sure. the catechism. Um, 
and as of right now, that I, I can't think of any resources. Um, well, in Lumen Gentium, that's easily available for free. Anybody can find that just at the Vatican right. website, vatican.va, and you can get the English translation of, of that or any encyclical there. Uh, Father, we're down to about our last minute here. Could I ask you to offer a blessing as we conclude the hour for all of our listeners? Absolutely. We pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God, I thank you, and I praise you for every person who's listening, for every person, Lord, that you have called to be part of your church, that you have called to live in the name of Christian. I ask your Holy Spirit to rest upon them, to grow in them, the gifts of priest, prophet, and king, that they would know it, they would live it, and they would love it. And Father, I ask your blessing upon them through Mary, the Immaculate Conception, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Amen. Thank you so much, Father. It's Father Sean Grismer, our spiritual director for the hour. And uh, again, as always, want to encourage you to go back and listen to the podcast. If you missed any portion of the show, it'll be available this afternoon at RelevantRadio.com and on the Relevant Radio app. Of course, Mass is next. Father Rocky is going to be the celebrant today. And tomorrow, we're going to talk about joy. Why joy? Well, because this Sunday, it's Gaudete Sunday. It's the Sunday where we rejoice. We're almost at Christmas. We're getting closer. And we'll talk about that tomorrow with Father Michael Hurley here on The Inner Life. I hope you have a blessed rest of your afternoon.